0: It's about to go down with Mark and Kathy, a live coaching show about dropping ideas. Mark and Kathy
1: coach and have conversations with brilliant idea creators who are
2: reimagining the world through the expression of their words, thoughts and action. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of It's About to Go Down. I am Mark Williams.
1: And I'm Kathy Urbius. I'm so excited about our episode today. On our show, we have Elle Saramaga, and she, um, it's gonna be different. So normally we start off Mark, right? We have somebody on our show and we'll have an idea and that person will talk through this idea and we kind of coach and have idea conversations about it. Today, um, Elle, she's a friend of mine and she had a near-death experience a couple of years ago and lately a ton of people in this space there's a whole world of people that talk about near death experiences and she's been asked to be, to speak and be on podcasts and it's different it's like it's not having an idea it's talking through an entire experience of what happened to her and sometimes people will ask blunt questions and so today what we're going to do is we're going to kind of talk through How can she, how she could maybe, you know, share her personal story. And as Elle told us, this is great for everybody. So if you're out there and you're like, I have a a story, it might not be a near-death experience story. How can you talk about it? We're going to kind of cover that today. So Elle, (laughs) hey, what's up? Welcome to our show. Hey, how are you? (laughs) We're so good. So happy to have you on. So Mark doesn't know anything about your story. Neither does anybody who's watching. (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, give us a, give us a shortened version. Cause a lot more of it will come out as we talk, but kind of give us a top level version.
0: Yeah. Well, Mark, um, it's so great to meet you. Um, you're a great buddy for, for my girl hair, um, <laughs> Kathy, <laughs> uh, Kathy, we've known each other for almost 20 years now. And, uh, yeah. So, We've seen, you know, each other through lots of different things in life and transitions. And one of the biggest transitions for me was almost a permanent transition um, back in 2015. I was, um, I had moved back um, uh, to where I am, and I had an infection, which,, um, you know, at first, I was starting to get better. And then something happened, and I um, started having like an anaphylactic um, response, um, and I started crashing, and my org—I went into complete organ failure, and um, my lungs were filled with CO two to the point where the the average person has a maximum of thirty five on a lab a result for CO2, that's as high as it should go. Mine was over 200. So that is like sitting in a garage, breathing nothing but um, CO2. And um, the doctor said that if I had lived, I'd probably be in a vegetated state because I was that way for more than one day. So that would have killed off brain cells, but here I am. So, and I can talk
1: <laughs> so, with all her brain cells intact. <laughs> yes,
0: <laughs> yeah. So um, that's essentially, you know, the the summary of what happened. But you know, I've been watching you guys for um, for a while, and um, you know, I think when somebody has a story like mine, and one of the reasons I reached out to you. Um, is because people are like, oh my gosh, you know, for, for seven years, people have been asking me about my experience. And I've only recently started to share it because, you know, first I was processing it. And then when somebody asks you about, tell us what happened, there's so much, it's like, where do you start from? And, you know, I would think that anytime anybody has to share something, whether it's with their family or with, you know, um, in a small setting or, um, on a podcast, um, you get the same question, like, tell me what happened. So I want to be able to, you know, share about it without rambling and with also, you know, talking about the things that are important, the juicy things that people really want to hear. I've been, you know, just really blessed and impacted by how it's impacted other people because I've had people emailing me and asking me, oh, do you think there's a God? do you have proof? Do you, you know, how do you feel about this, that and the other? And you know, I want to be able to, you know, streamline and tell people, you know, you know, succinctly what I what I saw, well how I believe because, this is something we're literally can ramble on all day about, so.
2: I'm, I'm curious. First of all, thank you for not telling me anything until this <laughs> moment. That that just, that made it so much more special and interesting and intriguing because I'm already interested in some of these other details that did not come out of this, as, as Kathy said, this very short in summary. So I feel, I feel a little cheated right now. <laughs> I want to know some more details. But here's what I'm, I'm, I'm very curious about right now, Everybody keeps asking you. People keep coming up. that, that They're asking these blunt questions and, and everything. And, and I'm just curious. I don't know if it's come out already. But why do you think people want to hear your story?
1: That's a
0: really good question. I think mainly it's because people want confirmation of the afterlife. They want confirmation about whether or not there's a God. They want confirmation about, you know, some people have asked, you know, are we in a simulation? Uh, People have asked, you know, what the experience is like. Like I know somebody who is... um, who's had a fear of death because they're actually afraid of the pain, but not afraid of the transition. And so they wanted to know what it was like because when they die, they just, you know, don't want to, um, you know, to have that pain. Um, I think, uh, you know, in Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal Lecter said, the fear of death is worse than death itself, you know? So it was kind of like that situation. So I told them, when you're dying, you feel zero pain, you know, it's literally a transition where first you're here and then you're there. So um, they're processing that, but it seemed as though they felt a little less fearful of death, knowing that you don't really feel pain when you're going through that transition.
1: You know, what's going to be really fun for me, Mark, is I've talked to Elle about this a lot. And so I've heard a lot of her details and I know a lot of the background of, of, you know, some of the stuff that she's been through even since. And I think it's interesting what's starting to emerge already. And I, and I want to tell you something, Mark, because Elle and I already know this, and I think it's important to bring into this conversation. When she was on this last podcast, she was on a podcast of somebody that's, that has a big following in the space of the near-death experiences. They call them NDEs. So people that are in the know, just call it an NDE. I always love that when there's an acronym and it's like, you know, you're in the know when you know the acronym, you know? And I watched her, she wanted me to watch her to to see what I thought about how she responded. And she was fabulous because she's sincere She's authentic. She's genuine. You can tell that she's telling her truth, you know, whether people believe what she experienced or not, you can tell she's genuine and telling the truth. And so reading so many comments, like hundreds of comments from people were super inspiring, that they loved her. And so, Elle, I have to tell you right away that you're already doing a really big thing, right? You're being genuine and authentic. But Mark, I think we could start having a conversation with her on things that we do teach other people when they tell stories. Like for instance, Elle just said, you know, people want to know, is there an afterlife? Is there a God? Does it hurt? And, and then she said, you know, it, it, like it's been said, the fear of death is worse. Hannibal Lecter quote, <laughs> the fear of death is worse than than death itself. I I think we should start chatting with her about some of the things where when somebody asks her a question, can she first sum up with something snappy or catchy and then, and then tell it, and then give the information, you know, or make also, sure to get that catchy thing in there. Right. Cause I like that.
0: Also, I just realized I misquoted it. It's the anticipation
1: of death is worse. Uh, than okay. Okay. And- Yeah, anticipation, fear, same thing, right?
2: (laughs) Shame on you for misquoting Hannibal.
1: (laughs) Because nobody ever misquotes Elle. Nobody ever does that. In the history of mankind, it's never been done. (laughs) No, but you know what I mean, Mark? It's like, I, I, because if you hear her, you can even hear it in her now. She's just very, she's got a really great calmness to her. She's very sincere and you confident in what she's saying it's really good
2: good presence yeah and, and i love what you say kathy about you know sort of like you know dare we call it a hook right we want to be technical right but it's like what what's that hook that gets people into the story and yes uh and I, I, i'll probably never think of hannibal lecter again the same way now that you've used that quote um because i don't know i don't think i saw that coming but i think that was the my thought also behind asking why people want to hear the story, because I think that opens up the door to then figure out what's the hook, right? We think about what storytelling, sometimes people like get to the point, like what was the main point? What was the main point? And it's like, oh, I'm just going to give you that, that snippet at at the beginning. It's like, oh, let me tell you about the time I saw a guy. Wait, what? And then you go into the story, right? Yeah. Um. Whether whether that's the intro or not, I remember yeah, yeah, yeah. reading about an article about that once, and 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 it was like that was a great way. It was almost like give them give them the main point of the story and then get into the actual story. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you called it the juicy part. <laughs> yeah, the
1: juicy part. <laughs> For L, there's a, like I think with a lot of things that you say, there is there is probably there's probably something that you could say that would be a line that could, that's kind of like a catchy line um, that would either sum up what you're saying or add more intrigue. For instance, maybe instead of saying the time I saw God, you might open it with, you know, whether, whether there's a God or not, all, you know, relies on the fact whether you believe it or not. I don't, I'm just, I literally made that up right now. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's not even that great of a line, but something like that, where you're, where you're kind of, even leaving it open to interpretation where you're not even telling them. Cause I think a lot of your stories don't tell people mm-hmm. definitively. You just tell people what you saw, what you experienced. And then I noticed a lot of people take that and run with it, which is, which is their right. Right. That's, that's mm-hmm. what everybody does. When we tell a story, whether everybody in the audience is always taking it, putting their own thoughts on it. Right. This, this happens to be a lot more, the thoughts
0: are a lot, they're at a different level. Yeah, that's true. Um, I actually also, you know, um, I I also got emails of people who are saying, oh, you know, I heard you say this and that and the other, and that so resonated with me. And it was like off of what I, you know, it, it wasn't completely what I said. So I had to correct them because it's, they would, you know, insert a narrative based on their own thoughts and interpret it a certain way based on their own thoughts. So yeah, to keep things clear. Yeah.
2: So. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious about that. Without, without repeating how they misquoted you, <laughs> what have been some of the things, because it's, you know, you and Kathy have said it, you've gotten a lot of responses. Mm -hmm. Um, What are some of the things that people are sharing with you um, that they're highlighting from your story?
0: I had a doctor who um, emailed that said that he had an NDE 15 years ago and he hasn't been able to talk about it. Um, You know, he's in a science field. Um, I think it kind of freaked him out or he didn't know how to communicate it. And he said that um, after he saw my um, NDE um, explanation that he felt more validated and he felt like he could uh, talk about it. So I encouraged him to talk about it because the more people in science fields that talk about this, then people will get an understanding of what afterlife is about. And, you know, about spirituality even like science and, Spirituality in my mind and from my understanding are not mutually exclusive. They're interconnected and God created both. So
1: yeah. Like Al, tell tell us the story about your daughter. What, so, what happened when you were when you were not present in your body. You were in a coma.
0: Okay. You mean what what was going on with her?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So basically, um, you know, she was going through the normal thing where she um, had school that she had to, a school uh, year was coming up. Um, We were in a different place because we actually weren't at home. We were just happened by, you know, osmosis. and, And because of the situation, we're stuck here because I was in the hospital. So she had to be in a new school and... Uh, while her mother was dying and it was a horrible experience for her. Um, but she started having um, these spiritual experiences as well that um, where, for example, she would be outside and then she would see a dragonfly that was just acting a little, not so dragonfly <laughs> like You know, coming, doing strange things. So she's very she's an old soul. so she's very intuitive. and so she would um, she would go and look it up what that means. And there was a specific message um, around those things and you know, saw like other different things, uh, like different uh, insects or creatures. And um, the um, the biggest thing was is that you know she's spiritual. she um, she meditates and things like that. And her angel guide told her that even when everybody saw that I was dying, I was getting my last rites, people were called multiple times when they thought this was it, I was gonna die, come to the hospital, say goodbye. And her angel guide told her, your mother's gonna get out of the hospital um, before Christmas. And um, I ended up getting out of the hospital uh, 2015, December 19th
1: -hmm.
0: for Christmas. And she had literally spoken to the priest that gave me my my last rites, was trying to counsel her. And as she's telling the priest, Oh, my mother's going to make it. My mother's going to live telling the family and they're kind of like pacifying her like, Oh, you know, little girl, just, you know, uh, prepare, you know, It doesn't look good, and she was right above everybody, even above the doctors.
1: Mm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So powerful,
2: right? The more you keep talking, the more I see why people are intrigued. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, I I, I just wrote down this line, Kathy, I wanna wanna hear your thought in a second because I see you're ready to go. Mm. My daughter was in school while her mother was dying. I don't know what it was about that line that just like, man, that just drew me in.
0: (laughs) Well, and I was super impressed with that because it showed her resiliency because that wasn't the only thing she was going on, that she was going through during that time. And it's too much to go into other than that. But, you know, even that itself, once I was out of the hospital and we had a chance to download with each other and talk, she got straight A's. She was the, I think she was like the number two or three student in the entire school while her mother was dying.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. wild. (laughs) You know what I was gonna say Mark is like, every time I hear Elle talk about it, like I, you know, I can, I I kind of picture, you know, that thing where, you know, when we're coaching people, I think this always happens, right? We kind of picture their audiences. And so speaker coach always gets in the mind of, of that and kind of, you you almost, it's almost like you can see their audience. And so you kind of, you kind of know what to anticipate on how audiences will land and and how they'll think, and it, and in this case, it, it, it like blows me away a little bit because that requires you to get into the mind of how somebody believes, not just in the moment where you know a speaker is going to say something and they laugh, right? So it's totally different; it becomes a totally different thing. Like how will ten different people take this story that she's talking about with her daughter, right? And so, you know, some of it. Again, I'm going to go back to this with L because. When Elle's saying it, it, it it it's genuine and authentic, and I think a lot of people in this space might not believe it, and so it's like testing people's because they because they don't know anybody that it's ever happened to. It's never happened to them. It makes it hard to like grasp this kind of story. It's not mm-hmm. it's not easy. You know how there's stories, Mark, that we teach people, and like when somebody will tell a story, and then. The more relatable the story, the better it usually is because the more people that you're listening to your audience, that's that's common for speaking. But again, this is a totally different thing. This is like sharing your story. It's really your story. And in Elle's case, it's a story that hasn't happened to a lot of people. Right. So I'd love to kind of break that apart a little bit as well too. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, Mark. Okay.
0: Can I say something? Yes.
1: Okay.
0: Please. <laughs> That's why you're here. <laughs> um, I totally agree, and I totally understand that. I've had those same thoughts too. Um, Meaning, seeing other people share something and be like, "That doesn't compute. That doesn't sound logical," and I'm a pretty spiritual person, you know, and. So I recognize that it can sound really strange to some people. And then I also have figured that it's not something to, you know, to, um, be put off by or, or take offense to, because like, even when I have done it, it's not because I don't necessarily believe the person it's more because of my own training, you know, it's more because of the beliefs that you know, I grew up with or whatever else that, um, I have a very scientific mind. So the first thing I do is think, now, how could this happen under this situation? And is this, does it, could this legitimately happen? So a lot of it is just how we're built, you know, our perspectives about life that make us either, um, um, have an easy time accepting information or a harder time accepting information. But I'm glad that I'm this way because it helps me to kind of filter out um, some of the things that, um, you know, that I hear that, you know, um, I can decide if I believe or not believe. And it's also made me um, as a spiritual person kind of test my faith, you know? It's made me like, because all faith, all spirituality should be tested, even if you're the one that's testing it, because a lot of things come at you. Some of those things are from a dark place and some are from a light place. So it's got to be tested, even if it might be true, you know?
1: I love that, by the way. (laughs) You just said two things, that I really like, and I think it goes back to what or what we're kind of talking about is I love some of these I love some of these like lines and I hate to use the word line it sounds bad it's not like a line it's not like a line. <laughs> it's not but it's it's the difference between like more of a, a, a of a thought idea than it is just information right? That's what I'm talking about here. And so in that case, you said two things that I think would fall under what I'm talking about. And one is this, I heard you say, I realize that it doesn't compute. And then my brain took it a little bit further and I could see you telling people why you're sharing your story. I get that. It wouldn't have computed with me had it not happened to me. And just sometimes just to be able to like say something like that is almost the little preface before you tell something I think can be really powerful. And then you also said, you know, felt like my spirituality was getting tested. And I believe all spirituality should be tested. And I love that. And so I think some of these things that you're saying, Elle, that are not the descriptive things that happen to you are actually really important. They're really good bindings to all the things that you are actually talking about. Mm And I think it's important. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta
2: agree here because... Um it goes back to one, not only why are people keep asking why do people keep asking you to share this story, but also why are you continuing to share this story? And I agree with you, Kathy. I wouldn't call it a line, I'd I'd call it a thought, or I'd call it an idea or a query or whatever you want to call it. Right, right. But It becomes it's 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 a group of words put together (laughs) that really explain why you're sharing this story. And I, you know, I wrote down all spirituality should be tested. That that line really stood out to me. I I think I had missed. And so, Kathy, I'm so glad that you brought it back up. It would not have computed. Had it not been to me. And Here's what, I, here's what stands out to me about those two lines for you to consider, L. That's got me really curious. And I got to tell you, I've heard you share a summary. I've already been intrigued. But it was when you just said that line that I thought, hold on, wait a minute. There is still a part of this story Shall we call it the juicy part? <laughs> there is still a part of this story that I don't think I've still yet heard. mm
1: Oh, there's so much that you haven't heard,
2: Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And it's when you said all spirituality should be tested. It is when you said it would not have computed had it not happened to me that I was like, hold on now wait a minute, you holding too much in, I got to learn more. So that's what I love about those two lines. So yes, dare I ask, give me a juicy part.
0: I need your help with this because um, that's also another thing people, you know, I don't know necessarily the parts people want to hear. Mm-hmm. So you tell me what part, since you know a little bit more than Mark, you tell me what is the juicy part.
1: Well, I, I think you know one of the things that I would say is probably the most juicy for most people and interesting, and and we've heard it before. I think we've I think this is a common knowledge when you hear like a near death experience. But you explain in your story, so you could tell this to Mark of what happened while you were out of your body, and you were above. Looking down at your body and how that experience was, because I think that's really interesting and, and juicy.
0: Well, there were a couple of times that happened. Do, um, are you talking about in the operating room?
1: Or yeah, 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 yeah. Or, uh, I think that was what you were talking
0: test. about the light tunnel thing.
1: Uh, both, actually. Okay. <laughs> tell one and then tell the Look other. Look Mark's yeah. face. I know Mark's <laughs> like, wait, there's more than one? Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about the one when you were in the operating room, but the, the, so,
0: um, the operating room one, I was, um, I was out of my body and I saw myself in a procedure room where the doctors and residents were, um, walking around and they were, they were doing things and I don't know what they were doing, but it was some type of procedure, um, I was told that I was, um, I had a death preparation and um, in death preparation, they shave your head, they check for brain activity. It could have been then, I don't know. But, um, and uh, sorry, I, I need to like um, divert a funny, uh, um, a little funny part in there. When um, <laughs> when uh, they shave my head, at the time that I went into the hospital, I had a weave
1: in. You know where this is going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: so it was it got pretty pretty matted, <laughs> and so they asked permission to just shave it all up because you know. It my the weave was beyond repair at that particular point.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so they had to ask your family. Yeah, they had to ask the family. So- and, funny, I did not use, I haven't heard that before. <laughs> so
0: anyway, um, so I saw myself in this room and I, but I didn't understand when you, when you're having a near death, especially when it happens abruptly, you don't know that you're transitioning from one place to another. So for me, like like your your mind doesn't work the same way. Things, you don't look at something and say, oh, that's really odd. That's not how things should be. I wonder what's going on. You just kind of accept it. And you, you kind of have non-human emotions sometimes where it's like, <clears throat> you wouldn't think rationally the same way that you would think um, in your human earth form. Mm -hmm. So I saw it and I saw these people talking and I, I didn't, um, realize at first that it was me. Um, but I heard them talking about me. So I was trying to talk to them saying, what are you talking about? I'm right here, you know, and, um, they were saying something about checking my heart or whatever. And I was saying, I'm fine, why are, why are you saying this? And nobody was answering me. So um, that was the, the whole hospital incident. And then the other incident that Kathy's talking about um, in kind of comparing notes after the fact, I believe it was one of the times, the, the last time when my family was called and was told you know, to have people come to the hospital because I had just a few hours to live um, because they had asked to take me off of life support and my family refused to have me taken off of life support. So um, I saw basically, I was in a room and I've since, you know, Observed that some other people, because I'm a part of a, a near-death uh, experience research group, and um, lots of NDEers are in rooms when they're dying. So I was in a room, and the room was uh, about maybe rectangular shaped, and I just instinctively, in in this room, my guide said to hold out my hand, so I did, um, and but the, the guide said it telepathically. You know, the majority of things were telepathic. So I held out my left hand and a sphere ap- appeared, a silver sphere appeared in my hand. And then from around that silver sphere, there was a um, an image of Jesus, but it was all light. So it was like seeing it kind of like um, in Star Wars, you know, when they, you know, yes, it looked kind of like that, except more ethereal, like not so computery. It was like light basically. And so um, uh, I could see that it was Jesus. I was told Jesus was with me. His love was with me, um, things like that. And to feel comfortable, but I didn't feel uncomfortable. It's kind of hard to explain. Like I had very detached feelings. So, you know, my response or feeling was kind of like, okay, well, that's, you know, that's nice, you know, and then a light panned around the room and made a tunnel shape. The light was extremely bright, brighter than the sun, but it was white and it made a tunnel shape. And then um, I didn't realize that in any type of correlation, like I was never told walk into the light or anything like that. Um, just basically after that came to a stop at a tunnel, I heard another voice say, give her everything that she needs. And it's not your time. You're going back some essentially to that effect. And then everything just kind of retracted. And that was the last thing
1: that I remembered before, you know, um, before I was awake. So. Hold on. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. Um, I got so many questions. But <laughs> I, I want to go back to the operating room for just a moment. OK. How did that, I'm trying to use my words, um, sensitively and, and, and accurately.
0: Don't oh, be sensitive, God. just be like raw. <laughs>
2: oh, I love it. I love it. How did that story end? The operating um, room.
0: I don't know. I kept on traveling through different dimensions. So I remember like, so basically I'm in my body at you know, certain times and then out of my body at certain times. So I don't know like what happened i just remember um at the well i guess i suppose at the end of that was i was back in my body because i remember being flat like i felt the sensation of being horizontal mm-hmm. at the um, after that so i think i went back into my body you know after that but then again that's my my theory based on what i saw because I'd never been through this experience before. And, and lots of things didn't compute. Like, like I didn't know everything that was going on when it, while it was going on, you know? So,
2: yeah. And, and, and would it be safe to say then based on the question I just asked you, Mm -hmm. that was the last thing you remembered?
0: Well, not the, not the, um, the operating room wasn't the last thing. It was the, the, um, Jesus and the, sphere and the light tunnel was the last thing that I remembered.
2: Was that the last thing you remembered in your old, in this overall story, or was that the last thing you remembered, dare I call it in that particular instance or that particular chapter of this story?
0: That was the last thing in the overall story. Interesting. The other part with the operating room was just a segment of the entire thing.
2: It was just another juicy part.
0: Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Kathy, I got a question for you.
1: Yeah.
2: How do you define a juicy part? <laughs> how, do you, how do you define that?
1: <laughs> I love it. But I thought you were going to ask something totally different, and you're like, I need to do the technical, like, I need to know the technical. <laughs> Well, I do think it's a good question. I think I think it's a good question because one of the things, as I've been listening to Elle talk a little bit more, one of the things that I realized after hearing her talk about her experience, and I've heard her tell the same stories in different ways. Now, you know, because of course, when you're telling a story, you'll tell it different ways, right? That it's all pretty much the same, but the de- some of the details she'll say something different. You know, like she'll say a, a new detail that I never heard before. You know, like like the weave. I hadn't heard that, so that was a, that's a cool. And I think it's an interesting, and so maybe write down like vivid details. They're very important. Some of the details are very important, and I think it can actually make us a story or a part be juicy or not. For instance, let's take the operating room. Let's go. Yeah, you know, I I I saw myself in the operating room, and I kind of I had this feeling like I was above, and I, I they were talking about my heart, and I was kind of telling them, you know, no, 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 I'm fine, I'm right here, you know, which is actually kind of interesting by the way. It's very interesting. But then to add like this detail of like, well, they were doing death preparation. And so, you know, with death preparation, they shave your head, but they got, they, I had a weave on at the time and it got caught. And so it turned into a big mess. And then they had to ask my family, if it was okay to shave my whole head. Now everybody's in that room hundred percent. And so that, I think that's a detail that that's a vivid detail that brings mm-hmm. somebody in the room. And then I think that can, I think you can turn any of her stories or her things into a into a juicy part, you know, of the story. Or if you're just too flat with everything, I think it could just sound informative. Does that make sense, Elle?
0: Yeah, and I could share the, um, you know, like the weave thing. That was the first time I thought of to share it because I'm comfortable with you guys, and Mm. you know, because I was thinking. I don't know. It was just a funny thing that popped in my head. I was like, Oh yeah, I remember that, you know, when I I started talking about how they had to, you know, at least when I was told that um, my mother told me, yeah, we had to shave your weave off. It was a rat's nest. See,
1: that's funny. And I think it's like, it, it, there's a struggle there and there's something that happened that was kind of a, you know, that, 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 it's, a, it's such a vivid detail. It puts us all into the room, mm-hmm. all imagining that. And I think that might be one of the things, Mark, that, you know, you're ch- starting to cling on to is that when we teach people storytelling, that, that's one major thing that we talk about mm-hmm. is like, for instance, there's this thing that I teach, Elle, that I say in stories, I'm like, relive your stories, don't retell. Because if mm-hmm. you tell them, it's boring. If you go... You sound like a reporter. You're like, so I you know, know, this happened and then this happened and then this happened and then this happened. But if you kind of relive it, you get yeah. into those spaces where you will say these vivid details. Like my leaf got all bonded up and they had it shaved off and you know, that, uh, other things like that.
0: And I don't know why um, other than for divine reasons, why I went from having a brain or having a lungs filled with CO2 and possible brain damage to still being able to recall certain imagery, um, in my near death. But it's like, when I relive it, like, you know, when I was talking about the shaving of the head, that was really the only time in a long time that, uh, me remembering what was said about my weave, you know?
1: So you were kind of reliving it. Yeah, I was reliving it. Yeah. I don't know, Mark, what do you think about that? Because I I think, you know, as I think about Elle having, you know, lots of people are asking her, or she's already out of the gate. She's amazing. She's a great storyteller. I think she's got some authenticity, like I said. And to me, I think the way to level up is to always intentionally add a vivid detail and to really like think about another thing to maybe think about, you know, Mark and I teach this a lot, Speaking to the senses, if you can bring in any sensation, it actually can physically bring. It, we feel like we're there. So if you can talk about something and we can smell it, or that—I I mean, when I thought about the weave and the shaving, I felt the physical the tactileness of what could have been going on <laughs> in that moment. So you did bring forth a sense of mind, right? Um, if you can talk about a, you know, a very strong visual. And do you know, Al, what the most, do you know what the the most, what would you say, most effective, I guess? Most effective sense is? What? Take a guess. Out of all the senses, what do you think it is?
0: Um, touch.
1: No, it's smell. Okay. And I think, and I think it's because, I don't know, if you, if you bring a smell into it, people can kind of relate to that a lot. You might be telling mm-hmm. a story of like, yeah, you know, it was early in the morning and I could I could smell coffee off in the background or something like that. And so people can people kind of get in that space because they know they know what that they can they can feel what that feels like. It's almost like they can smell it.
2: Oh, oh go ahead. No, 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 the floor is yours. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just remembered another thing that um where I was leading to about my daughter Mark um and what was going on with her. Um, you see, then that happened, I got off on a tangent and I forgot to make the point, was that um, while she was experiencing my near death on the on earth side in my coma and when I left my body sometimes, one of the guides that was with me was in her form. And I was told to keep her angst, to keep me kind of anchored to the world. And, you know, fighting to come back. So it made me wonder, and this is just a theory again, it made me wonder if, you know, because of our connection as mother and daughter, that maybe that was purposeful and that guide appeared looking like her to just like, there was something spiritual going on with like a cord between my world and hers, you know?
1: Mm.
2: I just wrote down, first of all, the times I left my body. (laughs) Wow. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, I, I, I wanted to take that, and I wanted to take what you said earlier, Kathy. And the word that came to mind was imagery for me. One of the things that I love about storytellers is through the use of imagery and the senses, there's a moment when even if I'm sitting in an auditorium or sitting in a room filled with other people, looking up at a stage, there's a moment when I no longer feel like I'm in that room. When I feel like I'm having an out of room experience
1: Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. I'm
2: right there with you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what really, resonated with me when you told all of those stories. For a moment, I wasn't sitting here in this room. I was looking through your eyes mm. and, and, and believe it or not, I've never had a weave. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe that, Mark.
1: <laughs> all the crazy and stuff you've been in your life,
2: come on, never? <laughs> <laughs> and yet I could, you know, you, you said it, Kathy. It was almost like I could, I could just feel it just ripping out of my head as it's being kind of like I could just I could feel it right I could feel it and for that moment i I felt like I was in the operating room seeing what you were seeing I felt like I could see the the tunnel that you were talking about, especially as you said it was it was bright as the sun but it was it 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 was it was a white color like I could see that mm-hmm. and I think that's what's so gravitational about the episodes that you're telling. And I'm gonna use the word episodes because you have quite a story and I'm sure that I have not even yet heard all of the juicy parts.
0: Yeah, no, there's still a lot more.
2: Right? But all of these juicy parts are really episodes and and, and some of them may be episodes about times when you've left your body. Mm-hmm. Right? Some of them might be episodes about times when you connected with your daughter. Some of them are stories not even about you, but they're the the dragonfly that was dragonfly-E story. I love that <laughs> dragonfly-E, right? I
1: know, I like that too.
2: I haven't been in the room where you have told all these stories, but I could almost imagine that there's too many stories to tell in one sitting, right? That's the problem. Is- but... Here's what I found. Yes, that is a problem if we create this pressure of telling all the stories in one sitting. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we don't have to tell all. Kathy always says this to me all the time, especially when we even do trainings, right? Like, you don't have to give them all of the secrets in one shot, right? Just give them a little bit and have them come back for more. Well, I think the same is true for the stories, the juicy part episodes that you have. You don't have to tell everybody everything in one sitting. Give them a couple of juicy parts or maybe just one juicy part today. Right. It's not like I saw Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, all in one sitting. Although we can do that these days. Um, But I just got one scene and I wanted to come back for more. So I love the idea that you've got these juicy parts rich with imagery and vivid details that all oh, think about this you had some out of body experiences and then you tell them in a way that creates an out of body experience for me
1: mm-hmm. so
2: that I can experience what you went through that's whether i agree re, right, whether i agree with it or not like that's magical go ahead
0: Yeah, no, that's, you know, that's how I hope it helps people. And, um, I want to know, what do you think I should like, what do people want to know? Like when you were asking, tell me about your NDE, what were you, what, what parts of the things would help people? What's going to, you know, answer some questions for somebody like, what are those things? because I feel like those would be the juicy parts, you know, because if I just say, you know, go into telling um, these uh, different segments of my NDE, it may or may not resonate, but what, you know, somebody might walk away saying, oh yeah, I really wanted to know about this. And it might be really important for them to know. And they had a chance, but they've all, you know, it's, you know, they walked away already. So what are some things that I can make sure that I share about my NDE that people will really want to know and that will help people?
1: You know what I think might be important in this space? Um, I think you already know the answer to that because you've probably been asked some of the same questions. And so it's hard to know what any other audience or what somebody in particular might think, but what well, might be kind of cool to frame up when somebody's interviewing you, you could say, well, you know what, the number, th- there's two things that I get asked constantly. Did I see God? And did I, how did I like, and then, you know, okay. did I see God and, you know, did I see myself from a distance or did I walk into a light or whatever that second, however, however you're going to word up that second piece. But I think it might be interesting to frame that up right out of the gate. I, I could see the biggest problem with your kind of story being that you you shouldn't allow the person that's interviewing you to, to take it everywhere they want to go. You need to be in a little bit control as well, because if not, I think what will happen is it'll just bombard you with a bunch of questions and then all you feel like you're doing is answering. They're like, mm-hmm. well, what happened there? And then you kind of, you kind of give it a, a technical answer, and so you're not really able to frame it well. Mm-hmm. And I think what Mark and I are getting at is some of the framing is really important. Mark, I love that you said imagery, right? Because that's what the, that's what the vivid details is about. That's what the senses are about. Is like, how can you make people really? How do you make people feel like Mark felt? I would be more focused on that mm-hmm. than getting to somebody's exact question. And okay. I think you already start to like turn people's wheels if you say well the number you know one and two things that I constantly get asked are this and that and so I'm going to tell you about that at first I'm going to like get that one out of the way and then I think as you tell the story I think other questions will come up and so if you're being interviewed by somebody they'll cling on to some of those and then they'll ask you okay I don't know Mark what do you think do you here,
2: here, here's no no absolutely I do agree with that um and I wrote that down as well for you to think about Al and it's sort of like when I asked you earlier why, why do people want to hear your story right and so uh, uh, so many people have come to you and yes if you could take Kathy's advice and think about out of all of the things that people are asking you there's probably two or three that are at the top of the list and start there right because that's now, now that's the barometer of what the juiciest part is, right? <laughs> More people want the juice, right? <laughs> More yeah. people want it. And then what I think is also great about what Kathy just said is if you go into an interview or you go into a talk or, you know, whatever arena you go in to talk about, and instead of answering their questions and just giving them what they want, you tell them two or three of the things that people are always asking you about. That's probably the two or three things that their audience is looking for.
1: So in actuality,
2: you're helping them out a whole lot more than they think you're helping them out because you're giving them the frame that their audience wants. And you know that because nine times out of 10, this is what people are asking you.
1: Okay. Also, you could frame it up in a really fun way, Elle. You could say, you know, the top two things that people ask me about are this and this. And I'm gonna tell you it's a, you know, it's about a spear and a weave, right? <laughs> and, and so then everybody's everybody asks, they're like, okay, a spear and a weave. Cause these are two things in your story, right? And then you can, and then that's such a great, it's it's funny, it's intriguing. Like you know, and then and then we get it. But boy, we want to hear what what those two things have to do with each other, how that fits into your story. Okay.
2: Yeah, because I'm never looking at a weave the same ever.
1: <laughs> yeah, neither
2: am I. I, I, I neither am
1: I, I. I. Seriously. I mean, a <laughs>
0: oh, I think I think my you know I think my my mother might have gotten PTSD because you know if I tried to put in a weave after that when I was out of the hospital, she was like what if something happens and we'll have to cut it again? And <laughs> I was
1: like, oh gosh. <laughs> You're like full permission to, to do whatever, right? Like...
2: <laughs> That's hilarious. Wow. This has been a great conversation. This has been an absolutely great conversation. I yes. love the whole idea about the juicy parts, the vivid details, the imagery, the two questions, right? Are the two things that keep popping up in people's heads all the time. That gives you by the way an opportunity as somebody who continues telling the story, mm-hmm. listen for what is resonating most with people, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things as storytellers, that's a muscle we need to exercise even more and more and more. Don't just tell the story, but pay attention to what people are reacting to the most. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the follow up questions that people are asking you, because that gives you details that you can use the next time you tell the story. And by the way, as an offshoot, you said earlier that some people misquote your story like they when they retell it, they <laughs> tell it all wrong. Well, that's another thing. It's either the two things that people always ask me about or the two p- things people keep mess getting up. wrong. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I love
1: that.
2: So, so good. Oh, man, absolutely enjoyable. Al, I, I, I'm already upset about bringing, wrapping this one up. I, 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 I feel like there's so many more juicy parts. But <laughs> in, in, in the interest of time, I just want to ask you, on behalf of Kathy, since we started this conversation almost an hour ago, what has transformed, evolved, resonated with you what are you taking away from this conversation today that you did not come in with?
0: That I need to um, focus on a couple of things that um, resonate with people and maybe start out with that and you know, answering those. And then the other thing that um, resonates with me is basically, not waiting to to have questions asked, but to also kind of, you know, direct to what, what I feel the juiciest parts might be things that might help people based on, you know, the responses that I've gotten and, um, you know, share about that, you know, before, uh, I'm asked various different questions about various different things. So, (laughs)
1: so
2: so tell us, Al. For everybody who's going to be knocking down your door and they want to hear more juicy parts because they did not get all of the juicy parts in this one conversation, how do they find out about you? How do they find out about your experience? How do they learn more and get in touch with you?
0: Um, they can email me at less than one, and it's the number one percent at gmail.com and i also have a website called url1111.com and it's just the letters url1111
2: well listen for everybody who watched this join me in thanking l for being a part of this conversation sharing this thought i think we all learned so much about How do we share personal stories and personal narratives that people want to hear about more? And how do we say it without rambling on? And how do we come up with the juicy parts? And I think today we even define what it means to be juicy. (laughs) 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 Yes, yes. So if you've got a juicy idea that you want to share and have a conversation with Kathy and I about so that we can Think about how we can get this idea to more and more people and and help as many people as possible. Hit Kathy and I up on our website. It's about to go down. Show. We would love to have a conversation with you, just like the one that we had with the juiciest of juicy, (laughs) (laughs) L. Thank you so much again for joining us and for sharing just a part of your story. Thank Thank
1: you you. so much.
2: Well, Kathy, we did it again. We did. We did it again, yes. So until next time, we look forward to having another great conversation, not only with you, but also for you. So join us next time when it's another episode. On, i just chopped that one up. I must be having some kind of other experience. Join us next time when <laughs> It's About to Go Down.